The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. There is so much to talk about. One of the stories we really need to limit to five minutes because otherwise I'm going to break our rule about swearing multiple times. Um, We've got college hockey, women's hockey, uh, NHL, family traditions, and trade talk and more. Uh, Where do we want to jump in? Um, The shallow end? No. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to have to refine that one a little more. Why? <laughs> I honestly... Uh, if you're talking uh, about the I, shallow end of the gene pool, yes, I, I understand which story you're talking about. I'm wondering if we shouldn't just get that one out of the way, but... Okay, here we go. Once yes. upon a time in a land far away, and by once upon a time, I mean this week, and in a land far away, I mean PEI, um, a 16-year-old goalie named Mark uh, Connors, mm-hmm. who has uh, skin slightly lighter than mine, um, was called the N-word on the ice and told that this is a white man's sport. This is the second time this has happened to him, and it appears to be that um, he's just better. It, it, I think it comes down to that he's better than the people who are rather upset. You, you buried the lead, though. This Mark Connors is only 16 years old. I don't think it matters. Um, and he's quite frankly handling it better than I would, because um, quite frankly, someone's face would have uh, would have had new contours and um, decorations. I just I I. I, I like I said, when we prepped the show, my first question was, what's wrong with human beings? What's wrong with people? Because this is, if you watch any sport at this point, every sport has some sort of announcement, some sort of of, of program to try and eliminate racism from the game and yet we've now got 16 year olds hurling slurs and this isn't the first time it's happened to this kid if you read the article and i know you have yep it started when he was 12 yep 12 years old i mean this is this is no longer just about adults being uh, i almost swore set in their ways This is about upbringing at 12 years old. These are still impressionable minds. This is about parents not parenting. And I know that that's not what our show is about. Doing a really, really. But this is just awful. And I would love to know why it's going to take weeks to close to to complete their investigation into the incident comment the incident the comments that were hurled now they're not talking about solving the four years ago thing this is for what happened now it's going to take weeks according to the article to complete it weeks why is it going to take weeks people heard this the coaches heard this the player heard this 
How is it not yes. taking minutes? How has something um, not already been done? One, people want to protect themselves from lawsuits, which is, I guess, useful. But, it, okay, as I said, as I've said in the past, I firmly believe it has become too easy, too safe to be a thoughtless moron. And that consequences are too far detached from actions for people to learn lessons. By the time anything happens to the speaker, they'll have forgotten about it and they'll have been laughing about it for days and weeks. That's why I don't understand that it's going to take weeks to complete the investigation. This needs to be met now, head on. Something needs to be done about it. I'm I'm literally the furthest thing from a hellfire and brimstone type person. But when facts are facts and they're right there in front of you and they can be verified quickly. There is every reason to take action quickly, effectively. And this sort of nonsense is why we've had players, NHL players who have had good careers in the league come out and say, they don't want their kids to play in the NHL. This is why. Because it happens at, to kids. It happens to adults. And it's and, happening way too frequently. And you know what? I There are some listeners who aren't going to like this one. Here's the thing. When was the last time you heard about this happening in youth hockey in the U.S.? Um, like there's an actual story about it. I mean, I'm willing to bet that it's happening in the U S but it, I'm pretty sure that it gets, what's that phrase I'm looking for? Oh yeah. Swept under the rug. I'm willing to bet. Well, it probably depends on the location, but we hear about this way more often from Canada, way more often than even adult occurrences in the U S Canada has a population about 10% smaller than California. Well, they don't use the top 60% of the country because it's frozen over. And yet I hear at least two or three stories about youth hockey players having to deal with this nonsense out of um, – in that small population. And most Canadians congratulate themselves on being way more socially advanced than the U.S. and most of the world. And – I don't see the evidence. Yes, I don't see it either. I I don't understand it. I, I maybe I'm the naive one here. I just this is for this to be happening now is just ridiculous at this point. It's I don't know short of letting young Mr. Connors here beat the guy about the head and shoulders with his goalie paddle. For those not in the lingo, that's his stick. I don't know what else can be done to it. it, Like I said, it's all about upbringing. These are still 16 year olds. And when it happened first, when he was 12, this is something that can still be taught how to treat people. This is 
something that can be headed off long before it gets to adulthood. Uh, yes, and clearly it wasn't. Clearly. I mean, there are roughly the same number of hockey youth hockey players in uh, the U.S. as in Canada. Mm-hmm. If, if this is happening at about the same rate in the U.S., and we know how much the media loves to sensationalize everything in the U.S., we should be hearing about it. So either it's not happening or it's being dealt with rather quickly. Um, I suppose it's possible that it could be swept under the rug, but quite frankly, every sports parent I've ever heard of in this part of the country, at least, has at least one social media account. And that stuff is going to get out. It's going to get out. Yeah. I'm sick of these stories. I don't want to deal with it anymore. And quite frankly, all I can do is wish the speaker everything he deserves in life. That would be um, appropriate. Time to move to the next story. Yes. Yes, absolutely. What's one of the things that you and I have talked about forever about the NHL and why it's still the fourth of the big four sports. Uh, Gary Bettman. That is one reason. Yes. Um, oh, wait, I get it. The game doesn't know how to market itself. The game doesn't know how to market itself. And I think that one of the big problems is quite frankly, there's a lot of individuality squeezed out of players mm-hmm. across the, levels of hockey in some cases that's great it helps build teamwork and the willingness to play in a team environment because quite frankly good teams are teams that play well together are more likely to win than equally talented teams that don't play well together or even slightly better more talented teams that don't play well together so key points uh aka uh Uh, on Twitter, tweeted a couple of pictures of uh, answers from one of the top players in the league, arguably the top player in the league, uh, in sort of survey questions as regarding to marketing. So here we go. My job, hockey. Okay, give you that one. I mean, NHL star. I play center for uh, the Edmonton Oilers. Um, setting up my best buds for goals, well, those would those would have a little bit of life. Always travel with my team. Really, you don't walk to the arenas all by yourself. Uh, maybe bicycle from Edmonton to uh, Dallas just to ke- just to keep your cardio going. No, see the way I the way I would have assumed that question to be answered is with. My teddy bear with my, my Xbox, my PlayStation, my lucky St. Christopher medal or medal exactly. or, or, you know, there's there's always travel with something that comforts him and something that's going to be more interesting to the reader. But apparently he always travels with his team. For me, yes, I'm slightly boring, but it would at least be a, a book to read. Before a game, I always prepare. Really? really? You don't fall out of bed fully in gear and just 
and just take a quick jaunt over to the arena. You actually, yeah. you know, show up at the arena, put your gear on, and try and get into mental space. I mean, you don't have a call with your parents or one of your best friends. You don't say hello to your girlfriend or, you know, make sure you turn off your phone and start a playlist that you or start a playlist that you really love just to get in the zone. You, for, for, for Dougie, for, for fans of Dougie Hamilton, you know, call his mom. Uh, watch hockey. Yeah. What? I mean, I don't. And, and I'll be honest, I don't remember the two teams that were playing, but there was a conversation going on between the pro in down at ice level and the pro that was in the booth doing color commentary. And they were talking about pregame rituals. And one of them was, I think it was a Bruins game because they were talking specifically about pasta. And yep. and I'm sure that pasta was the reason it came up. But I mean, they're talking about, I would never eat. I can't eat pasta pre-meal. I can't do this. I can't, you know, I, my, my morning ritual would be having, or some, one of them had, had to have pasta before the game. But that's what I'm looking. That's what this question is. Before a game, I always eat pasta. I always do a certain ritual. I I always prepare. And here's the capstone. Everyone, hold on for this one. Liquids uh, warning. Please uh, remove them from your mouth. Um, yes, but taste best part not. of being an NHL player is being an NHL player. It's not getting to hang around with people who have the same interests. It's not getting to play hockey as a living. Well, I guess it's getting to play hockey as a living. It's not getting to travel all over the country, all over the world. Um, it's not having the luxury to build for uh, build financially for your future and everything like that. It's the best part of being an NHL player is apparently being an NHL player. It's not like, come on, you, you can't even say I can give, I can make charitable contributions and give back to my community. Anything. And Anything. Yeah. As I, as I, as I, as I said, pre-show, you know, the one thing that Mr. McDavid can say is, well, I answered the questions. And he didn't say anything offensive except for those of us who actually expect people to use their brains. I'm sorry. <laughs> the best part about being an NHL player is being an NHL player. Yes, and uh, this is endemic to the marketing in the NHL. Like, I still remember the literally terrible commercial a few years back where uh, someone, the voiceover person is talking about, and in hockey, there's two halftimes. And I literally almost threw up. There's like, two halftimes? I felt... <laughs> Am I watching the wrong sport? Am I watching times in a sport where the time is divided into three? I'm not the greatest mathematician on the planet, nor do I play one on the internet. I don't think those numbers work. I'll have to circle back and someone remind me I'll, I'll get on it for next week. Um, But I don't think those numbers work. In fact, if, when I was playing NHL 15 on my Xbox, one of the things that the voice of Doc Emmerich would say at the end of the first period, it would say, you know, for the last hundred years, 
hockey has been played in three periods, not two halves. So we've got two more to go or something to that effect. Yes. I'm pretty sure they wouldn't stick that in the game if it was only two halves. I mean, I I think at this point it's safe to say I've seen a medium-sized four-digit number of hockey games. Yeah. At least. It's it's at least a few thousand. We've seen I mean combined we've barring seen one or two quite of a few. The, barring one or two of the winter classics where they were playing outside and made a hard switch hard split. No, hockey hockey doesn't have two half times and nor should it. I think that I think that the split now is the best way to preserve the endurance speed of the game and allow teams to make adjustments. And yeah. So let's try so, some real marketing at some point. So, so McDavid, is this, a, is this, is this little tweet here? This Is this about the NHL in general or is this about McDavid's personality? Both. And like, or, or, this is or the best player in the game. Thereof. This is the best player in the game who is yes. on TV and mentioned 6,000 times. Like 6,000 times a week. At least. And these are his answers. Like, try. They, they are answers. They're not they sexy. They are definitely but, answers. <laughs> they're but not sexy, but they are answers. They, they barely contain – they're not even grammatical, much less – Well, yeah, there's there's, not the, there's no period at the end of being an NHL player. Plus, there's no subject to the sentence. Okay, we got to stop now. Okay. Yes, yes. It just doesn't work. Um, and this is why the team or the league might grow – has grown in the number of cities, even though it's had to move a lot of teams around. Um and it really hasn't crept into a larger number of homes, despite all of the fun coming out of the game because of Batman's reforms for people who don't who aren't interested anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, let's uh, skip over out of the NHL for just a second. Sure. Um, when I when I ran across this story, I thought it was awesome, and it really tells me that the professional women's hockey or the professional hockey federation has actually arrived. How do we know this? How do we know this, Chris? How do we know it's arrived? Yeah. Well, let's see. Their, their, their championship last season was actually aired on something close to a national network. Yep. Um, it actually got television airtime in prime time. And the fact that they actually made a point of going back and playing it, even though they had to pause the original time slot. So to me, that's one thing. Uh, the fact that they're getting recognized nationally and they have awards. And and one more thing. Yeah. Forbes has decided to add one of the one of their forwards um, from the Toronto Six, Michaela Grant Mentis. Uh, to their sports players, uh, 30 under 30 or sports personalities, 30 under 30. Nice. And that's a huge thing for a list of, for a organization that really didn't exist 10 years ago. That's huge. That is very huge. And this is, uh, again, 
this would be something that I would certainly use to market my brand and my sport, my league for certain. Uh, this is this is excellent. She posted the she posted the, the the Toronto Six posted the NWHL, which it's no longer called that. Posted the best record. Uh, she had five goals across a pandemic shortened six game schedule. Goal per game, not yeah. bad average. Yeah. She was Leeds' top scorer, named MVP. Um, first black player in league history to win the award. She's now back with the six. This is brilliant stuff. I, it's and a then great, Forbes it's comes a great around story. and says, I mean, we're going to put you on our list. Hey. Um, she also is the daughter of a ball, a Team Canada ball hockey player. Um, her dad played uh, James Ventus um, for Team Canada and uh, Team West Indies. Um, and she was, she actually went to school in the area here over at Merrimack. Um, had a 20 goal <laughs> season in 20 goals in, thir- in 33 games. She yeah, might be a good player. That's kind of good. Yeah. Okay. Might be a good player. Yeah. She also, and that was her second, that was, she had two point per game seasons, uh, her senior, her senior and junior years. Um, that's, I'm thinking that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And I, I'm kind of expecting that she's a name we're going to hear more about for as long as she wants to play hockey. Yeah. Um, While we're on the topic of college hockey um, and some of the locals, Friday morning I open up Twitter and I see something that sort of made me smirk um, because everyone forgets about them, even when when they're doing good. Mm -hmm. And usually you only hear, to the detriment of the schools, usually you only hear about one gender's uh, sports teams at a time. Not in this case. Of the of the of the sports school or of the hockey schools in the Boston area, Northeastern really, really rarely gets the respect it deserves for being a very high quality team. Um, no, they don't have the most national championships or bean pots or anything like that, but they're a very competitive organization and have been on the men's side, at least for quite some time. They've had, so, they've had, they've had a number of players drafted into the NHL on the men's side. So absolutely. It's and not more so, more so in the recent past. Yeah. Last, the last, cu- 10, last four years. years. And by the way, haven't they won the last like three or four bean pots in a row? I will have to double check that because, um, it was more than 15 minutes ago, and my brain is uh, not at peak condition this morning. Yes, so, North, Northeastern over Northeastern over time has built up. Is it, they weren't always the the at the forefront of New England hockey, college hockey. But now they might just be, because as of Friday morning, mm-hmm. top of the men's standings for hockey East. Northeastern with 20 points, 6-3-1, and 1-1-1. Uh, one, one one. Women's standings, 14 games played, 35 points, 11-2-1-0-0. Zero, zero. Excuse me. Whoa. Um, Whoa. 11-2-1-0. Oh. 
That's a pretty good well, winning percentage, I'm thinking. I could be wrong. I know that I know that the Boston area isn't a college sports town. It just isn't. And it's a crying shame. Especially because since hockey around here is as good as it gets. Yeah, when you're talking college hockey, like we always talk about the three, the, you know, the M states, Massachusetts, Michigan. This is New England is if you're going, if you have aspirations of higher levels of hockey, this is where you need to be. Yeah. And I, uh, I can't wait to take in a couple of games uh, for each uh, for each squad this year. I do have one, I, I and and I noticed this, and, and forgive me again, like you, I'm I'm still coming out of the, I'm still coming out of the ether or passing through the cobwebs, but the men's side, they've played ten games, they have twenty points, six, three, one, and one. The the women's side, I'm thinking maybe there's a math issue because. They've played 14 games, and they're 11-2-1, which adds up to 14, but somehow they have 35 points. Unless there's, unless it's a three-point gap, I have not looked at the women's uh, score, standing scorings. Um, if it's three, uh, that would make a lot more sense. Um, three, four, three points for a win, that would be 33 the, points. And then... Maybe yeah, but a tie, tie would give you one point. That'd make thirty-four. Okay. Shootout win uh, or two point? Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to double check on that. Yeah, I just uh, it, like I said, the the again, still coming out of the fog and 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 seeing the light. But yeah, the the math didn't work out for me there for a minute. I'm like, okay, so twenty-two. That should be like twenty-three points, which would make more sense to me. But I. And still, the fact that they played 14 games, won 11 of them. Is staggering. <laughs> yeah. So are the men's, is the women's team actually better than the men's team? <laughs> I'm not going to get into the quality of competition. Yeah, no, let's not go there. Let's not go <laughs> uh, Question. Um, let's just but- celebrate the fact that. While the team knows what the, the the university knows what they're doing when it comes to hockey, they, um, might, they clearly have good coaching. Since we're talking about coaching, um, the Minnesota <laughs> Wilds, Dean Evison is on an expiring contract, and last time I looked, which is oh, about ten minutes ago, they were um, kind of at the top of the West. Which is, if memory serves, pretty good. Um, no. Yeah, tied for points, tied for points percentage, and they've actually scored more goals than uh, the Calgary Flames. Uh, in fact, they have more goals than anyone in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, by a good le- uh, by a good bit, they have 92 goals. And only yeah. Florida has more goals. Only Florida has more goals. Yeah. Damn. I'm just. So I'm, they are I, definitely I, not terrible. I, did we both write off Minnesota? I'm trying to remember the list here. I do not remember my predictions. I don't think I did, but 
I may not have had them in well, my top. This is this is why this is why I keep everything. Um, we. Oh, hey, I picked Minnesota third. You actually, well, I don't know if we did them in in any particular order, but I picked Minnesota. Yeah, we both got Minnesota. Yeah, I liked liked everything I saw from them for 85% of last season. And that's that's a strong indicator. There's a guy on that team, and I actually... I actually picked him as a dark horse for the Richard Trophy. Hmm. Um, yep. Uh, he's not quite in that level at the moment, but, um, well, that, that's that, that, that old Russian dude that everybody keeps insisting is getting too old to play hockey. Who everyone told us when he came into the league that he'd be done by like 30 and barely able to skate. Um, you might want to add at least one decade to that. <laughs> just <At> one. Least one. <laughs> just because he's still there and he's still doing the thing. So Dean Everson and, and there's some interesting. I mean, one of the articles that you grabbed and yep. it caught me a little interesting because it talks about how there's they do a hand. He's got a sort of a hands-off approach, I guess. Yeah, I. And I'm just thinking to myself. I don't know that that's the if it works for them, I guess, but I don't know that that's necessarily the answer. That I don't want every coach looking at that, looking at their success and going, you know what, I'm going to have a hands-off approach. If you have three or four guys who are, it is it is a copycat need, league though. Need some kind of guidance, then you need to be finding your own way. You need to be stamping your own image or stamping your own. I don't con- think that the players are in. 100% control of the game. I don't think they're even in 70% control of the game. But I would say that in a lot of cases, he lets them... Uh, they mention a... The article mentions a time where the team was down one after the first period. And the team's on-ice leaders, you know, captains, senior players, stood up, spoke, and... But that's why... And that's why they're captains. I mean... And I think that one of the things that one of the reasons this is working for Dean Everson, no one had serious. Okay. No, not many people outside Minnesota going into last year or certainly this year had super high expectations of some people expected them to make the playoffs. Um, you know, maybe as a bubble team, maybe as, as like, did we. what? As did we, we and, I just read you the list. We both picked them, but I, I don't know how many people put them down for a deep run or even. Well, we picked them to finish top 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 three. Which, as Toronto has demonstrated recently, doesn't necessarily mean much. (laughs) Ouch. Even though we're not talking Toronto today, you still take a shot at them. When you look at this team, you've got players from. The youngest players are 24. Mm -hmm. Oldest players are early thirties aside from Alex Goligoski, you've got a group that if they're not in the prime of their career, uh, in all cases, they're, they've been in the league long enough that they understand how to win and how to lose. And they also understand, um, what their abilities are. Like there's no one, there's no, I don't think there's anyone on this team who's achieved mascot status and is only playing because 
the coach loves them or the fans love them or the GM or owner is in love with the player. Uh, and that's they only have that two. makes it easier for the let's all bolt together mentality. Well, this is more of a this team is more of an all hands on deck team. Too. I mean, oh, absolutely. Kyle, it's not- they've got two players that have scored zero goals. Kyle Rao and Jordy Ben and Jordy Ben has one assist. So there's literally one player who has zero points and he's only played. That's Kyle Rao. He's only played in three games. Jordy Ben's only yep. played in eight. Their goaltending is, well, Cam Talbot, it still befuddles me. I never believed that he was one. Of, I always thought he was one of those one, you know, split time goaltenders. You know, he, yep. he wasn't, you know, in the Brian Elliott mold or the Matt yep. Murray mold. Oh, by the way, Matt Murray was waived by Ottawa. Shocking. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. Shocking. shocking. Well, it, it usually it helps. Hold, you can usually do better at holding a position if you can stay healthy enough to hold the position. Oh, wait. Just, I should write that just down. I should I, every now and again, I come out with good ones. You, you should have a pencil at the ready. What's a pencil? I'm sorry. Am I really old school today? Pencil, pen, paper. I don't know. The thing I take notes on. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I, I should have used today's lingo. You should have your keyboard at the ready. Absolutely. Okay, there you go. I mean, just looking at this team, you're absolutely right. I mean, you got Kaprizov at the top, young kid, you know, not the youngest kid. What's he, like 26, 25, something like that? around there, yeah. He's got 29 points. You got young. I mean, Fiala, who was supposed to be, you know, the second coming, he literally only has three goals, but he's got 15 points. I mean, but they don't have to rely on – and. They don't have to rely on Fiala. There's nobody on this team that they have to sit down and say, you're the guy. We have to, you know, you have to be the focus. Yeah, if you don't They're, win, they're getting contributions from everywhere. Yeah, if you don't score, we can't win. Uh, it, they don't have that. They don't have they, that nice, pro- well, sort of nice problem to have. Yes, they are getting contributions from everybody, it, it would seem, and, and you know. Plenty of plenty of players in double figures and points. Nico Sturm just under that. He's got nine points. He's four goals, five assists. By the way, we got to see him here in New England. So, and oh Nico wait, Sturm his face is is noticeably underrated. By the way, his face-off percentage, yeah, fifty-six point three percent. Not terrible. No, not at all. Not at all. So yeah, does Dean Everson need a need an extension? Um, yes. More so, more so than Cooper. Yes. Who, by I the way, got one. I would say more so than the local guy as well. Yeah. The local guy uh, is part of the reason that Jake DeBrusque is asking for a trade. Uh oh. We're on to we're on to the DeBrusque saga. We are on to the DeBrusque saga. Uh, Jake DeBrusque uh, earlier this week, it came out that he his agent had approached. Uh, the Bruins and said that he needs out of town or wants out of town. And I'm not surprised by this. I don't know that anyone is greatly surprised by this. How can you not Um, be surprised about him asking for asking out? Seriously. um, I mean, performance wise, I get it. He hasn't, he's been hit or miss. Okay. Get upset about that if you want. But the treatment that he gets and, and, you know, 
maybe he just feels that the time, you know, he needs to go somewhere, get a fresh start, you know. I, and I, I think even in his good seasons, his best seasons, that in a lot of cases he was a whipping boy. Yeah. And when you look at the fact that through the first 212 games of his career, um, which is identically the same number that uh, Tyler Sagan played in Boston, he scored five more goals and had the same same number of points. So unless you're going to tell me that Tyler Sagan was an awful player. Oh, no. And the people around here love Tyler Sagan. Love Tyler Sagan, despite yes. the fact that there was <clears throat> lots of off-ice stuff happening around him. And you really couldn't go a month without hearing about some of his um, adventures and shenanigans. But my favorite was the, <clears throat> I guess, fickle ness is it fickleness is that a word if it's not it absolutely but the fickleness of boston bruins fans in the game that he was he had to play because anton bleed was out hurt and brad marchand was first game of his suspension against detroit and the first time debrusk hits the ice touches the puck boston fans are literally booing him i mean yep booing this kid second game still has to play because bleed's still hurt martian's still on a three-game suspension he scores a goal against nashville and the fans erupt with applause and shouting and screaming and joy and celebration yeah i'm sorry which is what's he supposed to which what is he supposed to think about that I, I can't, I can't blame him. I don't think that Cassidy has handled him well. No, I don't think I don't think he. I don't think he's used. And I, I don't think the media has one hundred percent abetted him. Like overall, I think that Bruce Cassidy's openness and willingness to talk about nearly everything is a good thing. But I said mm. this way back, way back when Filter. he was still uh, the AHL coach. I don't know if he has the right mentality to be a successful and by successful, I mean, winning Stanley cup, winning coach in the NHL guys like this who have a bad season after a good season and, or a couple of good seasons need, there are ways to get them remotivated, refocused. And I don't, it does not appear that his methods work. And no, let's face it. Jake DeBrusque is the only forward out of that 2015 draft or only player out of that 2015 draft. who's not a bust. Jake Saboral should have at least three times as many NHL games right now, probably five times as many. Mm -hmm. I forget that. I don't know where Seneshin is and I don't care. Because he's never uh, actually, I do believe he's still in Providence. Don't care. Literally don't care. So the talk is we're going to trade him. And their NBC Sports Boston's Nick Goss has a list of. Oh, trade this, this makes this. Yeah, this. Makes this is there's this. one useful name on this list. And we're going to save that one for last. And this literally sounds like Felger and Maz trolling. We're going to we're going to jump to the bottom Chicago or Arizona Coyotes, Phil Kessel. No, just no. 
I don't know. No. Been there, done that? No. If you're looking for... Okay, he's not locked. I don't ever believe he was actually locker room cancer. I don't. No, I, I don't think those guys so was either. But. Very much, who very much keeps to himself. And always has been. He's not going to be a locker room leader. He's not going to be super physical, uh, despite Pittsburgh trading for him to get tougher. Um, yes, he has won cups since he left, and that's great. I do not see an elite player when I look at him anymore. No. Uh, Chicago Blackhawks for his, uh, DeBrusque for Dylan Strome. Uh, um, can I say the same thing I said before? Go. We're getting the wrong brother. We had this issue once already here in Boston. And believe me when I say this, I am not trying to offend the family at all, but we got the wrong Hayes brother. Jimmy okay. Hayes. Jimmy Hayes was a nice guy, great locker room guy, great teammate, great but on community. ice, great in the community. But on ice, he did. He was not the goal scorer they were hoping for. He was not the goal scorer that his brother Kevin is. And, and we get this is the same situation. Dylan Strom is not Ryan Strom. And quite frankly, Jake DeBrusque has produced more in the NHL. Yes. 141 points to uh, to Strom's 125. I didn't think that the that except for the top two top well, there are good players at the very top of this draft. There's a couple of good players laced in, mm-hmm. but I think that I I think that the first round was so so overall. I mean, we talk about how fantastic. Uh, certain players in this draft are, and some of them really are good. But, I mean, Joel Erickson came out of that draft. He's played more games than DeBrusque and only has 111 points. Um, Brock Brock Besser is one of the better players to come out of that draft. And, yeah, I don't think I would cry if he managed to land in Boston. And by don't think, I mean definitely wouldn't, um, unless they overpaid, which I don't see Sweeney doing. Um, so no, just no. Chris Tyranny out of the Ottawa Senators. Why? Yes. And that's, that's where we'll stop. Well, because nobody actually has a real answer for why. Nope. Um, and then the auto, uh, the Edmonton Oilers, they Warren Fogle, a career bottom six guy versus. Jake DeBrusque, who has a couple of what twenty-seven goal seasons to his to his credit, he's got a couple of twenty-plus. I know that his highest, I believe, was twenty-seven, and there 27 was belief, in the eighteen nineteen season. Um, and there was belief that he was going to be a forty-goal scorer in the NHL by Boston. I'm not sure I'm drafted. That, but I'm willing to I'm willing to give him a couple of thirty-goal seasons if he gets someplace he's appreciated and you know actually allowed to play. Um, at, least one, at least one high-ranking member of the organization, Bruins, believed DeBrusque was capable of scoring 40 goals because of his speed, fearlessness, and touch around the net. Uh, that was Cam. Cam was interviewed and said that years ago. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want to put a name to it, but okay, there oh, you go. I, I, facts are facts. This is true. Um, and Warren Fogle, whose contract is almost as steep as... No. Jake DeBrusque's 
No. Just no. And, and the one name that sort of kind of makes sense. Still not the one I want, but go ahead. Vancouver's uh, Connor Garland, who is, of course, a local. Situate, if I'm not mistaken. Situate, Mass. Um, this was a thing that they tried to get out of, or a player they tried to get out of Arizona over the summer. But here's the thing. You know who, who's leading the Canucks in scoring right now? In scoring or in goals? Um, I believe the end. I forget which it is, but it's Connor Garland is one of their top scorers at this point. Oh, yeah. No, no. He absolutely he is. Yes. That they would trade that they would so trade him I, for I, a guy on an expiring contract. Yes, I don't see it happening. So why? Like this list literally reads like Pelger and Maz were trolling. Something they're incredibly good at. Yes. Professional. But there is no believability to this list because. Yeah. Uh, Connor Garland, 7, 11 and 18. Uh, the article that we're talking about was written a couple of days ago. So it okay. looks like he was passed. But um, JT Miller is in the top uh, for points on that team. Uh, and they just traded for Connor Garland. His, he's performing well. Yeah. Why? I don't. There's no reason for them to move Connor Garland. None. They just brought him in from Arizona for what was it like a bag of pucks, a stand, a cardboard cutout. Um, he was traded with OEL um, for Louis Erickson, Jay Beagle, Antoine Roussel, first round pick in the 2021 draft, second round pick in the 2022 draft, and a seventh round pick and a seventh pick or seventh round pick in the 2023 draft. So yeah, so they traded him. For, they traded him for a bag of pucks, a cardboard cutout of Elias Patterson and, and uh, thoughts and prayers. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't um, see them turning around and trading him somewhere else. Not when he's the one, not when he's one of the few that's really producing. And, and he still got term on his contract. Jake DeBrusque expires at the end of the year. Yeah, that's not unless it's a sign and trade. You've got what are you getting? What are you getting? This is a really goofy list. Yes. I mean, no, there's no way. There's no other way to explain it. Like you said, trolling, just looking for that reaction. And, And we're reacting to it. So I guess it's working. It's working, but. Uh, I put up a post, I put up a poll on Twitter a couple of days ago mm-hmm. and I wanted to see what people thought. I don't know that I believe the trade will ever happen because of Sweeney and optics. Um, but I asked uh, the question, mm-hmm. would you trade Jake DeBrusque for Evander Kane with San Jose keeping 50% of the salary? Yes. Um, you would be almost, uh, you would be in the minority on that one. Uh, the options really? on the poll were yes is San Jose. Yes is Boston. No for San Jose and no for Boston. Um, 47 and a half percent of respondents said no for Boston. 5% said no for San Jose for reasons 
I'm assuming a contract tenure or maybe keeping the salary for Kane. I don't know. No one decided to tell me. But between the yeses for Boston and for San Jose do actually equal out to the noes for Boston, which I found kind of fascinating. Again, I don't know that the the trade would ever happen. I think that I in a lot think... of ways, Evander Kane needs to go someplace the media doesn't pay much attention to. Um, I would I would suggest not Vegas. Um, I would suggest Vegas not be a destination for He may want to go. I would suggest Vegas not indulge him. Maybe L.A., maybe Phoenix. I, Phoenix, uh, Phoenix. Uh, I mean, Phoenix is definitely aiming for 32 this year. It's not even a question. He's got to, but you're not, okay. You're Phoenix not really going to get, get that much press attention. No, it doesn't, but you're also not going to get effort out of him. And you're not going to get a return. I mean, maybe you can flip him again early next or in the off season. Um, for to someplace else after some of the negative feelings in the press have died down. Clearly, um, they both need. Clearly, both players need someplace different to be. Yes, um, and with 24 games played, Arizona is one point below the Ottawa Senators and two points below the Islanders, who have played five less games. That is the biggest mystery in the world this year. And I think it's going to cost their coach's job. Uh, I'm not sure that it should, but I think it might. I'd be inclined to agree, unfortunately. I would hope Um, that Lamorello's got, no, I was going to say I would hope Lamorello's got more patience than that, but. If he makes it through this season, he will be on a very short leash next year. Like Agreed. they will have to open, they will have to be no worse than eighth or ninth in the league at at thanks, American Thanksgiving next year, um, in order for him to still be employed by Christmas. Um, I'd be inclined to agree, yeah. But I mean, they don't have that much cap space, and they do have, um, but they also don't really, really have a huge amount of players injured. Brian Pulak, long-term injured reserve. Brock Nelson, injured reserve. And that's about it. So, so would you, you ask you asked the question, you asked the you you put out the poll, but would you and I know I would, because I would, but would you take Evander Kane for Jake DeBrusque with San Jose eating half the salary? Yes. Ah, thank you. Um I know that a lot of people wouldn't like it. And even though it defies what I just said about him going someplace where he's not going to be get much media attention, I think that after the first two weeks, three weeks here, he's going to be like the sixth most famous player on the team. I mean, let's be honest. Pasternak gets media attention for every suit he wears. Um, Patrice Bergeron is Patrice Bergeron. Has his own boxes of pasta inside the the, the stop and shop chain. Brad Marsh and is the league's <laughs> best known pest. Yes. Taylor Hall, league MVP. Um, there's there's already quite a few personality 
yeah, Charlie McAvoy is accounted as one of the league's best defensemen by many. Um, you've got Olmark uh, and Swayman, who are both who are who are interesting stories this year. I don't think uh, they're they're certainly not elite players, but they're definitely interesting me. stories. I'm fighting the urge. You're trying to tempt me. Okay, go ahead. Um, I I I think that it could work here. If for no other reason than if there's a team with players who will tell him in whatever terms it needs to be said to make him uh, to get him to pay attention and avoid negative press. Somehow, between the demeanors of guys like Brad Marchand and Charlie Coyle and Patrice Bergeron and Taylor Hall, there's someone who can get through to him. And, and if they can't. And, and to top that list. The one guy that he really doesn't like isn't here anymore. Oh, Zidane Ocharia. Very good. Um, but there's the right personalities. I mean, when you talk about big personalities, you can't really leave Trent Frederick or Connor Clifton out. But I don't think they have the... They I don't think have they have the, cash, the cachet. I don't the think cachet, they have the... the Elan, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. They're not, they're not at that level yet. But certainly a Taylor Hall, a Patrice Bergeron... A Marshawn. Yeah, this team has strong enough leadership that I think they could bring him in and it would be OK. I think I also think that the Rangers are a place that he could go again. It's a, it's a place <clears throat> really? with a lot of it's a place with a lot of young stars who have already spent the last two or two and a half seasons establishing themselves as legit NHL stars. And they have a core. They have a core who are doing good things. And but outside of Chris can, Kreider, who is I mean, I just, I don't know I've that they have Kreider, but no, I don't like him either. But um, as far as look at their blue line, though, look at uh, look at some of their older guys. OK. I don't Looking. think that I don't think that he's going to come in and intimidate Adam Fox and um and so, and any of the any of the older members of that defense into doing dumb stuff. Okay. Um, I just, I I don't know. Artemi Panarin, Mika Zibanejad. I don't think that they're going to just lay down and let him uh, cause issues in the locker room. Barkley Goudreau's got those uh, Stanley Cup rings. Yes, he does. See, now Barkley Goudreau, I can see as being somebody that would stand up to him. Right. You've got Ryan Reeves in the locker room. You've got Jacob Truba, guys who have been around a little bit and, you know, who are well regarded throughout the league. I will say he did actually report to the minors. So when he cleared waivers and didn't nobody picked him up, he did actually report. So doing the right thing so far. And I think that Gerard Gallant uh, really can't be overlooked as a guy who knows how to establish a team mentality. Um, and Chris Drury played in the roughest error, one of the roughest errors in the league. You know, he I'm pretty certain he's willing to use some very strong and pointed language uh, to get his points across. Uh, if all other methods have failed. I, I I agree with the Gerard Gallant thing. I still I'm still to this day baffled about how he was Vegas. Cab. Yeah. Well, that's the Florida one, and then I don't understand how how Vegas 
I uh, also moved moved him along. I I still don't understand that either. Unless he's got Autopy's habits that we've just not heard about. This is true. I, um, I, I, I can't. Not I can't. Yeah, no. <laughs> and of course, the ever the Arizona Coyotes are in the press for the usual reasons: rumors, 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 rumors that are being strongly denied. But rumors, uh, earlier rumors. this week, it was uh, it was bandied about that someone was interested in purchasing the Coyotes and eventually moving them to Houston to a new arena. Now, I, I did read that. I, I saw I saw a tweet uh, that I, I, and that and, and, and all our, for, to, to present both sides, the tweet that I saw actually I actually said that there was no truth to the rumors that they were seeking a, 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 or had a buyer lined up that was going to move them to Houston. But again, we're talking about the Coyotes. The Coyotes in the news for not useful reasons. Certainly not in the news for how good the franchise is doing on the ice. That's for sure. Yep, uh, they took everything that John Shaka built, and well, most of it isn't there anymore. Made it irrelevant. I just uh, I don't see Gary Bettman allow it. I don't think I don't know that he's ready to if, give up on the Arizona experiment. I don't see it. If Arizona can stay, somehow stay local, and by that I mean somewhere in Arizona, mm-hmm. I think that the next expansion, and I do see the potential for thirty-four teams, would have to be Houston in the U.S. Um, it's the biggest city. It's the biggest U.S. city without a without an NHL team. Um, and you've got, I've always, I always think that those in-state rivalries, you know, are key to building things, uh, to building a reputation. And we're finally seeing it in Florida. Um, a a rivalry with the Dallas stars, it it would be awesome. It would be as good as hopefully, uh, the best, the best days of rivalries between the Rangers and Islanders. Um, and I'm here for it. Okay. Um, I don't know where the other team would go, and I suspect it would almost have to be in Canada, which really only leaves two locations. But Medicine Hat and Moose Jaw. Yes, those Saskatch- are definitely Saskatchewan. Actually, I was thinking PEI, and just upgrade the uh, upgrade the Hawks to an NHL team. Oh, okay. Um, it can make uh, Art Connor is one of the founding uh, players. Arizona Coyotes deny report team is for sale and moving to Houston. They vehemently denied a Forbes report. Gotta love when sources are unnamed and and yet somehow they're given the credence of um, I don't know. What else is there to talk about when it comes to Arizona? I was gonna say, unfortunately, in Arizona, there's not a lot to talk about. They they I mean they still have Jacob Chikrin, okay. Uh, the new goaltender there, Carol Vamelka, is pretty good. Unfortunately, his numbers are skewed because the team in front of him is not. Yeah. 
so we don't know. And and, and Vimelka's story is so one of these days. I have to do a quick little thing on. But apparently, he never played hockey until he got to like the equivalent of college or something like that. It, it, Which is absolutely very, ridiculous. Very late <laughs> to the game is the way I understood it. So I will have and to, to do a little bit more digging. And make it to the NHL starting that late is staggering. Yes. Um, the ESPN article on the topic of Coyotes re- uh, relocation does mention that back in 2018, the Houston Rockets owner uh, Tillman Bertita uh, yes. reportedly met with Bettman about uh, to have preliminary talks about buying the clubs and moving them to Houston. And well, they they've got the arena that. Houston Rockets playing, so they've they've already got an establishment. You, you just need to fit it for ice hockey or whatever they have to do. I mean, they don't have to build an entirely different building. I mean, we have the Garden here, which holds basketball and hockey. There are many other cities where the stadium is basketball and hockey. And hockey, yes, uh, dual use. Um, I. Overall, I personally don't care whether they have their own arena and are able to book all of the dates that there's not active games or not. Um, but I think that having your own arena is, as we saw, you know, when the National Predators and Columbus Blue Jackets uh, came into the league uh, way back, having your own arena is a big part of the financial equation. You get more revenue. You have to commit more money up front, but you get a higher revenue share just from your games and then you have the luxury of booking the building when you're not uh when you're not playing so Mm -hmm. by the way wasn't just because we discussed another story back over the summer if i'm not mistaken um but isn't this like a really bad time to be racing for 32 when you don't have a home lined up for next year is that really relevant I don't know. Poorly performing team looking for a new home. But we're going to draft really high. And we all know the draft picks are guarantees to hit every time. Absolutely. I, oh, I mean. Yeah. yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. This is a fabulous time to be racing for 32. I don't know what I was thinking. You should be. You should feel great shame. Great I shame. Do. I do. I do. And it's not like the Coyotes. I mean, the Coyotes do also have a metric butt ton of picks in the first two rounds. They have three and picks no in the place round. and no place for all these picks to play next season. So they'll play back in college and junior. <laughs> they may um, not have a choice. They may <laughs> three first round picks, five second round picks, including their own in both. Um, Montreal and Arizona in the first. So uh, Montreal's is looking to be fairly close to the top. Uh, Arizona is looking like it's going to be in the middle. Um, and then the second round, the Islanders are doing terrible as well. Um, Philadelphia, San Jose and Vancouver, they could end up with four picks in the top 60, uh, easily or in the top 30 or 40. Uh, depending on where what happens with uh, Montreal, the Islanders, and Vancouver, that's that's a bounty. I mean, it it looks great for the future if you draft well, 
but we don't know if they're going to draft well. And they haven't heard enough about this upcoming draft uh, to honestly be aware if, uh, or honestly think that the top of the draft is loaded or how deep it goes. Wow, I wish I had read this earlier. Go. We are hopeful they will reconsider a move that would primarily damage the small businesses and hardworking citizens of Glendale. Gutierrez said Gutierrez is the CEO of the Coyotes. Yeah. Um, he was. This is he disappointed when they broke off the the that they wouldn't renew the lease on the building and everything. We remain, he says, we remain open to restarting good faith negotiations with the city. Most importantly, the Coyotes are 100% committed to finding a long-term arena solution here in Arizona, and nothing will shake our determination to do what is right for our organization, residents of the entire Valley, and most important, our fans, end quote. Now, what kills me is that the reason they decided not to extend the lease is because the team wasn't paying their bills. They were yeah. way behind on on particular payments at particular strokes in time. And they said, look, you're not going to pay us in a timely fashion. We're done. And now he's saying we're, we're hoping that they'll have good faith negotiations. You're not paying them in good faith. Why should they bother to talk to you? <laughs> I'm doing the LNR thing again on it. Yeah, you need to stop. It doesn't apply. I don't know what. I, I'm sorry. I okay. That's I. I don't know what I was thinking. I'm feeling shame again. As you should. In fact, you might need to put on the shame hat and uh, okay. just sit in the corner. Okay. After we finish the show. Yes. Um. I think we're down to just two, three more stories. Um. Colleen Murphy of the uh, is doing a is doing a first for her career. Um, Colleen is of course a uh, PHF player um, mm-hmm. who spent her debut her rookie season with the Buffalo Buttes, her second season with the Connecticut Whale, and is now uh, for the first time playing back to back seasons in the same city. Um, she has resigned to play with the Metropolitan Riveters. Um, Excellent. This is a good thing. I mean, some continuity on the ice is always good. Uh, it doesn't matter who the player is. That stability on ice is good. And fan identity is one of those things uh, you need to build in a entirely new league. You know, fans need to have players that they can get to know and expect to be back, you know, three, four or five years in a row. And, Colleen Murphy, who is kind of not terrible. Try and imagine imagine a Boston Bruins where Patrice Patrice Bergeron was only here for one year and never was able to develop an identity with Boston. Or or, or Bobby Orr or Brad Marchand or... or, Right. Yeah, exactly. Ray Bork. I mean, Cam Neely's still here, even though he's not on the ice. He's the president. Yeah. Even guys like Don Sweeney help establish that mentality, that that personality. And, you know, Sweeney played here most of a decade, maybe a little bit over. You need that in order 
to pull mm-hmm. fans in long term. Ray Borg's tag team partner for many of those years. Absolutely. Um, and honestly, being skating alongside the best in the world is possibly the hardest job in hockey. I would imagine, and yeah. Ray Borg was the best in the world for pretty much all of his career. It, it, yes, and like you said, identity, identity, and you know, player identity, team identity. How many, how many Bergeron jerseys do you see? How many? I mean, Everywhere. how many, how many Neely jerseys do you see? And the guy doesn't play anymore. Or jerseys? I mean, Sanderson, get, like literally people who stopped playing before some, before most of our listeners were born. You get linked to a team, and yes. The fan base gets energized by that. They follow it. They get the. They're still buying jerseys with players from decades ago. I mean, I still have. I I still have a Brad Boyce jersey. Yes, you do. I've seen it. And, I have a PJ Axelson jersey. I have a Mark Stewart jersey. Exactly. They played multiple seasons here. And I mean. Something a lot of non-fans or particularly non-hockey fans don't understand is that in hockey, a player, uh, your favorite player doesn't have to be the best player on the ice. It simply has to be someone you identify with. And when you're talking about 20 players taking the ice per game, if you don't have that, why, why are you watching? I mean, I love the game in general. Most people, most people do not watch as much hockey as either of us. I will turn on women's college hockey i will turn on um pro i will turn on you know major junior hockey i will watch it all because i love the sport even the average diehard local sports fan if their entire roster were abducted by aliens one day every prospect in the system gone with them and you know the organization were restocked the next day their connection to that team much, much weaker than it used to be. But it's that connection with the team. And yes, you and I watch hockey of all sorts and types. And, and But for most of the people, it's that connection with one with that player. Like you said, it's it, it's identifying with that one guy who either reminds you of something or, you know, you like the way he does a certain thing or, it's, you know, whatever the case may be. But for some reason, you identify with that guy. You know, here in Boston, it's usually the guys who are rough and tumble. It's the the Milan Lucic. It, it's the, you know, Trent Frederick doing all he can to get himself a fan, become a fan favorite here in Boston with his. Marchand is a fan favorite here because of his antics. It, it It's known as a rough and tough city. We're not speed and finesse and everything else you know if you're going to come here you need to have some semblance of a physical game and that's how you're going to get and then the fans will will come and they will follow you and they will stay loyal to you even bergeron doesn't fight much at all what's he got three four in his career maybe something like that and he's not the best at it but he still knows when to be physical and can be and when it's not needed. And it's hilarious how much deference he gets on the eyes, even when he just flattens people. Mm-hmm. It's literally hilarious. Um, 
So this is a very good thing for this is a very good thing for the Riveters and for Colleen Murphy and for the fans of both parties, the team and Colleen. It's it, it, it it's go, it's going to help grow the fan base of this team that they're going to have somebody that they can identify and recognize. And that's the best possible thing for the league, whether whether the team wins, loses, you know, whether they don't make they don't do all that well this year or they win the championship. Mm-hmm. You need you need you, that attachment by the fans is a huge, huge must. Yeah, exactly. Like um, father, like father, like son. Yes. Is so that, is this where we're ending the night? This is where we're ending the night. Okay. Brady Kachuk, uh this, from a family of players known for uh, the gentle way in which they express themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, says that the gutless ex-ranger uh, Brendan Lemieux, who is, of course, the son of Claude Lemieux, and uh, bit him during a game and shows off the evidence um, in a tweet from uh, Brady Tretanero. Um, okay. This is exactly the sort of obnoxious cheap shot his dad was known for. And Brendan Lemieux was, of course, ejected. Um, and you can see the teeth marks on the palm of. Oh, uh, he showed it. He, he was showing it to anybody who would look at the uh, during the game. And he was um, visibly upset. <laughs> that's visibly. how we. That's how you phrase it. Okay, visibly <laughs> upset. That is the PG version, and he was he was using version. some very very colorful language, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I, I, I'm willing to bet that he was saying things like "golly gee" and "gosh darn" and "whoops, that was a bad one." Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty certain that's that's what he was saying. If I'm not mistaken, Mr. Lemieux was given a five game suspension for this for incident, just like that, for being a tool. I mean, being bitten by a human is as bad, possibly worse than being bitten by a dog, because the bacteria uh, in the human mouth is kind of gross and more dangerous to us than the bacteria in a dog bite. Well, we could certainly go and ask how we could certainly go and ask Patrice Bergeron how it felt to get bitten by another human being. Uh, Yeah, uh, someone who was not suspended. yeah, by the way, was he even – he wasn't even penalized, if I'm not mistaken. On the other hand, uh, the good guys won that one. And, and, it gave, and it gave everybody and it gave everybody on the Bruins some much-needed um, ability to poke fun at Mr. Burroughs, especially when Milan started sticking his finger in – and Alexander's face and saying, come on, bite me. Go ahead. Come on, bite me. Come on, go ahead. Bite me. Yeah. Cause Mr. Barros is certainly not going to be doing anything of the sort. Cause Milan would have tied him into a pretzel. Just saying. 
ask no, him. No, I think Sarah. it would have beat him like, uh, like, raw cookie, like raw cookie dough. It would have been ugly and... It would have beat him brief. like Mike Komisarek. Worse. <laughs> and Mike, Mike Komisarek tried four times. Again, one of the more entertaining things when in their last fight, Komisarek trying to act tough and the, the linesman said, all right, you want him? Go get him. There you go. And Komisarek went, no, no, wait. I didn't mean that. Oh, too late. And I'm almost positive that linesman had been in one of the previous uh, games where they had uh, had their rather one-sided exchanges. <laughs> yes. Now, the thing, now, just to tie this up before we go away, real quick, if I'm not mistaken, since this incident, Brady Kachuk has three goals and two assists in, what was it, like two or three games? Yeah, it seems to have turned uh, turned the so, knob to 11. So is, is Pierre Dorian suddenly asking Brady Kachuk to allow more people to bite him? That must be it. Oh, okay. I, I, I mean, mean, I probably would too. Um, if you want to get that kind of production – <laughs> and the only way is to have somebody bite you. I, I mean, you look at his hand. That That's just awful. I'm sorry. I, I, I know we shouldn't make light of it because I, that's so much making light of it as it's ju- the ridiculous tendency of that family to do ridiculous things. The Lemieux family and we're talking ridiculous about here. Harmful things. Yes. I mean, I've defended on some occasions I've defended. Uh, Brad Marchand on other occasions, I've said, yeah, he deserves that suspension. There's no way to defend this. There, there is no defense for this. I mean, and the evidence is clear. Just like there was no way to defend some of his father's antics. Uh, just ask Mr. Neely. Yeah. Or maybe don't. <laughs> yeah, you might not want to unless you're like at a safe distance. Yeah, the, the other end of a Zoom call. There you go, yes. Okay, then. Um, I believe we have covered everything on our agenda this week. Um, Very well-rounded agenda, too. Uh, Well, I actually snuck it in earlier in the show, but Matt Murray has been placed on waivers. I don't know if he cleared them. I haven't done the digging, but uh, such is life. I mean, as I said, in order to keep the position, it helps to stay healthy. Just to random thought of mine so yeah um enjoy the hockey and of course pierre dorian does say that matt murray will suit up again for uh for the senators this season which really is wonderful because i can't imagine anyone else taking him not at this point no no it, that was one of the safest waivers in the last five or ten years and I will sneak it in. Dan Bladar's goals against average, 1.78. Save percentage, 9.39. Did we trade the wrong goaltender? Mm-hmm. Discuss. Mm, that's a very interesting conversation. And maybe we'll have it next week. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have uh, comments on that or anything else, you can hit us both on uh, Twitter. I'm at PuckSage. Um, you can email us. Um, those two at, four, at twoman4check.com, all spelled out. And Chris? I'm at the Offwing, and again, those two at twomanforcheck.com. Have a wonderful week, everyone. Happy holidays, and uh, enjoy the show.